I don't have a good intro for this episode, so I'm just going to tell you that we are, be your please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I'm a CGI dog in a closet. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> I was, when I was considering, like, how am I going to open this, right? You start to have, I start to think about that. I was trying to come up with some kind of Targ-related joke, and mm. I just realized there are no Targ-related jokes, so I won't try. I remember the Playmates action figures, the Klingon came with a Targ. And at the time, I figured that it was like, like, you know, a pet Targ or a yeah, like a targ. dog. Yeah. But they they eat their dogs. So maybe that was just like a energy bar for him or something. I don't, there's no fucking honor in eating Klingon's best friend. I What an interesting relationship there has to be there. It seems very inappropriate to, yeah, to form eat their dogs. That's what we're saying, right? Like that that Klingons eat their dogs. Klingons are some dog eating motherfuckers. This is what happens. So, folks, no, there's a joke. There's a joke. There's a joke you didn't hear, and it's entirely because we're recording this on a Saturday night. So I am definitely deep into an adult beverage. Mm-hmm. Like it's we're cruising on nine thirty at a, on a Saturday night and. I'm making jokes that I cannot allow to make the air already. But what we watched this week, Peter? Season one, episode 14, Sleeping Dogs. To, speaking of speaking of dogs, I... It, oh, it haunts us! Yeah. <laughs> I, we were, when we were warming up, when we were having our discussion before we started recording, I mentioned something, and I'm just going to go right into it right now. This is another one of Enterprise being the most B-minus student of Star Trek possible. And that this is this, this entry that is season one into enterprise. It's not terrible, but it's barely above average. <laughs> this is, this is just another perfect example of that. This is perfect. It's competent. There's nothing really super wrong with this episode, except a final scene that makes very little sense compared to the rest of it. It seems to be only there for TNA reasons. Otherwise, though, it's I feel like I've seen this episode of Star Trek before and it's relatively competently done here. I don't have a lot of complaints, but it's nothing special. All right. So take what we said about Broken Bow. You know, I had my complaints, but I also acknowledge that for being this pilot for a Star Trek TV show, it's probably the best of the pile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And expand that out further now to a full season. Uh, as always, I cannot speak to season one of Deep Space Nine. But right. next gen uh, Voyager TOS to a certain extent. This has been consistently good. There's nothing wrong with B minus. No, what I've I seen mean, out no. of Enterprise so far versus Voyager. Enterprise is markedly better. And so, so here's the question now. We're not grading the series as a whole based on each individual episode's marks. I think when you look back at what you really loved, you remember the stuff that really stands out, the milk toast, lukewarm shit just fades in your memory, and the real rancid, wretched shit that next gen episode where like they go to planet Africa and it's like super stereotype <laughs> races. Like you remember that about season one. And yeah, the high the high highs stick out in your brain. The low lows stick out in your brain. And the stuff in the middle doesn't. 
And there were a hundred and like 40 episodes, 50 episodes, whatever of, of Voyager that we wound up reviewing. And we certainly remember the timelesses. We remember the twisteds. But we there are a ton of episodes in that that C minus to to C plus range that you have no memory of that you barely recall that we spent an hour talking about on the Internet. But we did. And unfortunately for Enterprise, it's mostly that kind of material so far. This is just another one of those kind of forgettable entries that that one Voyager where like it was just Tom running the simulations in the holodeck trying to like beat that high score on whatever that piloting program he had was like who who remembers that stuff you I like that you and made that up to try and like convince our audience that that happened I'm trying to convince you if you're drunk over <laughs> <that stuff. laughs> I've I, 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 I've had a decent amount of alcohol this evening, but not so much that you'll be able to trick me with such basic things, my friend. One day, I'll get you. I, I understand. Keep so trying. anyways, Enterprise has this mediocrity so far, and it's it's good as we sit here and dissect all these episodes under a magnifying glass. But when we get to the end of this, th- there aren't those peaks and valleys. And it's going to make me wonder, like, what were the real memorable moments that I'm going to remember about Enterprise from here out? And that I think it's the the show's biggest problem is that those those moments don't start to generate themselves until they're in season fucking three. And, and that's why this show got lost. It gets so completely lost in the shuffle when it comes to all of the broadcast track that's out there. I mean, I, I hate to, to tell you that you're going to spend this entire calendar year watching episodes of Star Trek that ultimately very few of them are going to probably stick out in your memory long term, but that's really the fate of it. The first two seasons of the show is just a lot like Sleeping Dogs. It's perfectly acceptable. It's probably a little better than your average Voyager episode because it's shot in HD. They have a little bit more competent production staff and the actors are just a shade better. That's it. That's the story of Enterprise. And when it finally got good, not enough people were still watching it. And then it it died because its network died. Well, speaking of 1080p, when you have high def footage and you are going in for a prop close up, you need to make sure that goddamn prop looks sweet. And these phase pistols look like trash when they are in the background and zooming up right on top of a phase pistol and it's very clearly a big piece of plastic screwed into another piece of plastic. The the, the memory alpha is just riddled with Brand Braga and uh, and the executive producers being like, yeah, we didn't like these. We should have stuck with the plasma pistols. Like, why do the phase pistols appear the same way in season two? Why, why not just tell the prop departments, like, get rid of these little tykes guns and give me something that looks sweet? You are absolutely correct, because the teaser is just... Hoshi taking target practice with uh, with Reed in the armory, which I, I like the idea of it, by the way. I like the idea that like they are loading basically practice phaser rounds into the phaser. They so never saw you, the crow. You don't want to Brandon Lee someone. <laughs> so it's very important just to load your fake rounds. This is the most Voyager thing I've seen out of Enterprise, right? Okay, so uh, we're going to do gun practice in the room with all of the torpedoes. I, That's I, right up there with like, we're going to get 
a strange sex doll robot and and charge it up directly <laughs> right off the core. Absolutely. But it's a instead of being a C plus Voyager episode, it's a B minus Enterprise episode because they have the prop close up where they show you they do a thing to the phaser so that you're not gonna blow up their shitty torpedoes. Right? Like that one extra like, yes, I agree, the prop close up wasn't great. Trash. But that detail actually matters to making the scene work. Well, whether or not these guns have safety bullets in them, Hoshi still has terrible trigger discipline. At the end, when they drop out a warp, she hands that face pistol back to read, like, what's it like barrel first into his stomach? And I'm like, whoa. I like, the, of course, the premise of the scene is that Hoshi's trying to get better at being a good away team member. Because this is her her story continuity from the Sluggo episode, which is she's she's trying to find her kind of space legs. She's trying to be a better Starfleet officer, even though she's not really naturally necessarily aligned to to do so. It's not her comfort zone. She's not really why she's there. I like that they're giving her this growth point and that it doesn't just get glossed over and that. Hey, you know, she likes away team missions now. We never really call attention to it, but, you know, you can guess like this is very specifically uh, this entire. Yeah, like this entire episode, right? There's mm-hmm. this stuff with DePaul in the end, um, her bitching that, you know, hey, these face pistols, the EM 38 or whatever, the plasma pistol never did this to me. Like, I, I, I didn't make that connection that the gunplay in the beginning is her trying to to go back to school and toughen up. Yeah, she's she's attempting to bridge the gap to being a better officer. She realizes, oh, I'm going to be doing this for a while, right? Like, this is no six-month incursion to me learning some good languages. I signed up to do this thing for Jonathan, so I better get good at it, right? I like, really like this theory you turned me on to that they're um, exes. Yeah, like every time they have interactions, it's just more casual than it, any other interactions that – Archer has with anybody else. If they're not exes, then they are like old neighbors or college pals or something. They're like they 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 act like that the entire time in this show. Oh, she's trying to become a better officer. She's trying to do her job better because she is dutiful. You know, it's part of her character trait, or that she's just Asian. I don't know (laughs) one of the two, and that's the whole teaser. It's just her doing target practice until they realize, oh, we've come out of warp at a class nine gas giant. And we find out that Enterprise has stopped at this class nine gas giant because they've never stopped at a class nine gas giant before. And they just want to throw a probe down down there and see what it's like. Right. Like to Paul's all like acting Rightfully so, as though these guys are pulling off the highway to go see the biggest rubber band ball in the U.S. Like, yeah, this might be the biggest rubber band ball uh, as a as a highway stop like tourist trap. But it's it's a fucking rubber band ball. Who gives a shit? All right. Whatever. These hairless apes want to see this thing. I suppose they should. They they shoot the the, uh, the probe down. We have another scene that reminds us that Travis Mayweather is played by the worst actor on the planet. It's whale sounds. Oh, God, I had nightmares from this when I was a child. Actorbot 9000 turning off. It, it sticks out as as bad delivery, but I do enjoy the insights into Boomer life that he is able to provide. Yeah. I just wish it was Ryan. 
Yeah, his his character, like the sketch for who Mayweather is, is really cool. His co- character concept is great. The actor is so bad. The acting He's so, so bad. bad. Yeah. The actor. Again, the actor, I'm sure, is a charming fellow. He just he just did not find his calling in life. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But I like it that t- to Pauls, who is the first to be like, this is bullshit. We shouldn't be bothering with this. It's like, mm. Actually, uh, yeah, there's a <laughs> ship stuck down there. Yeah, it turns out maybe uh, this was a good idea because there is a ship down there and there are bio signs. They are way in the atmosphere. They're going to get crushed. We're probably going to have to help them out. And so a way team is formed. And what should happen? Oh, she goes to her friend Jonathan and says, Captain, I know you didn't pick me to go on this mission because you're like trying to not to make me do things I don't want to do. Thanks, by the way, but I need I need to volunteer for things like this. I'm a, I'm an officer on this vessel. I'm the translator. You're going to an alien vessel. If they need a quick ability to read something, I'm I'm the best person on the ship for that. I know that, so I need to be more prepared to go on these things. So I'm telling you, send me if you want to send me. To which Archer says, I already wanted to send you so i'm really glad you're, you're feeling a little bit more voluntary right now so uh head head to the locker room and get your uh your suit on let's go back to the past couple episodes here we had uh dear doctor was there an, there was an away team there yeah um to paul was involved silent enemy was no away team yeah i mean the away team was from the enemies that came onto their ship cold front which one was that? No way team there. Not really. I guess, I guess you can say like Flocks, son. Flocks went on to the Kari Krishna's uh, vessel. Mm-hmm. Civilization. Uh, I, to Paul is taking point on a lot of away team missions, which seems reasonable after Voyager, you know, the captain stays on the ship and the first officer goes off. Uh, but that is not protocol that exists yet. And, they don't really they haven't really hashed out what situations Archer wants to stay on the ship and when he's, you know, happy to have to Paul go out in his place as the command figure. It makes sense in this circumstance to send to Paul because it's an alien vessel, right? Like I, Jonathan Archer, am likely to know shit about Dick when it comes to whatever these aliens are. However, to Paul might have some idea. Mm-hmm. So I should send her, right? Like maybe I, Jonathan Archer, have been reflecting on the fact that I just condemned a sentient species of billions <laughs> to fucking die because um, I didn't want to quote unquote play God, and now um, I'm second guessing my own decision making, and I need to stay up here and th- rethink about my place in life. So yeah. I'll let the Vulcan go down. So it is to Paul Reed and Hoshi that are ultimately the, the members of the away team. I did like that. The uh, suits for Hoshi and Reed had their names on them. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Their environmental seats and not for to Paul. <laughs> Cause and it makes sense that to Paul wouldn't have one with their name on it because she would have joined the ship at the last second. So, um, I, 
and this is going to branch and well, real quick before we go any further, uh, also B plot, maybe C plot. Reed has a cold and he's a big baby about it. I guess it is the only other plot line in the episode is that he goes to, to see Flox so that Flox has a scene in this episode. I guess he does have a couple more of the Cleon later, but the idea that like a, a virus, a cold virus survived for months and a hermetically sealed like plasma, you know, coolant tank or something like that is why he's got a cold was a little thin. <laughs> and the the whole cold plot line is Reed doesn't have a cold in all of the scenes where he doesn't have to have one. And only in the two scenes where it becomes relevant to the plot that he has a cold. We need one of which is hydrated for some reason. One of which is a scene where he can't smell that the Klingon ship stanks, right? Yeah. That's it. And then one other moment of, oh, you're dehydrated, probably because you have a cold, to just give an excuse to that to Paul and Hoshi can have the scene that they have together without yeah. Reed there. Like, they have to, like, justify why are these two off by themselves. This is the justification. That's it. So, Otherwise, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm, you know, going back to the ship's equipment, <clears throat> I'm interested in, as you pointed out, uh, to Paul in this Starfleet exosuit and where they kind of draw the line. Like this is the equipment that she's going to use at Starfleet. And then this is the equipment she's going to use that as Vulcan, her Vulcan tricorder, I think looks like a lady's leg shaver. <laughs> or I like just a makeup kit. You know, I was always <laughs> thought it was, yeah. <laughs> it's like a big compact, you know, like you open it up. It's got a little, little blind, you know, you know, very girly, right? It's this yeah. big purple, like very organically shaped grape thing, whatever. I, it feels like she should have a little bit of stankness to her being like the stuff sucks and I don't want to use it. And like, why can't I have my good stuff? Why couldn't have they sent me out here with like my own spacesuit that is not big and blocky or whatever. The show has even taken the time to talk about how good Vulcan technology is on the small stuff because in breaking the ice, that's when like Archer talks about when he did like a, like a mission with the Vulcans and like talking about how cool their stuff is, you know, like we know Vulcan like spacesuits have to be cooler. We know Vulcan sensors are cooler. You yeah. know, like that got yeah. established the reefer madness episode when she was scanning the caves. And then she's stuck here using, you know, stone knives and bear skins. Yeah. <laughs> like, oops. Real quick, that, that that suit up thing's important, too, because that's Hoshi double checking the safety systems. Mm-hmm. And to Paul, who was already aware that Hoshi is averse to away team missions. She showed it in the uh, spider skull asteroid, whatever, the spider people episode mm-hmm. and a couple other ones where they've gotten snippy with each other. Um. And this episode, I think, does a good job of like, rep- I don't know if repairing, but strengthening their relationship. Yeah, yeah. It 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 gives them an opportunity to have a moment together, which they do end up having. And that's prefaced here with uh, to Paul being kind of icy towards her. Uh, and I, I like the resolve that Hoshi does show here. Hoshi, I think her best scenes so far don't come out of episodes dedicated to her so much as little building points along the way. I think she, the actress had been doing a great job of maximizing the little, um, the tidbits she gets here and there and getting like real yeah. mileage out of it. 
I completely agree. She, you know, I, I'm obviously a little biased because I've I'm been a, a defender of Enterprise as a, as a show overall. But Hoshi is like the least appreciated Trek character of all time. Like people who like Enterprise obviously know about Archer and Trip. Particularly the Trip is just a fucking riot and he's amazing. But Hoshi, Linda Park, I don't know why her career never took off. I don't know why it is that she never wound up doing a whole lot after this. But she's very talented as an actor to be able to put the that nuance into the scenes that she has in these episodes, right? She's rarely the focus. She's a supporting character on this show, right? She's not the lead. She's not even second lead or third lead. But when she's on screen, she puts her personality into what's going on. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say that the most underappreciated Trek actor is, of course, Jennifer Lean Kess, who not only was not appreciated in mass, uh, but was outright hated for bad reasons, specifically by me, maybe by you <laughs> for being crazy later. <laughs> well, I no, I, you know, the, just for being what I thought was going to be an emotional tampon, uh, rehash of Troy. Yeah. Like Kess definitely has a bad, actively bad rap among some Trek fans. And I do think that she has seen better critical reevaluation as people have become more nostalgic about Voyager specifically. I see that more online as, as I you know look at Reddit and Twitter and that sort of thing. People seem to have come around to Kess. I don't think people have necessarily even ever appreciated Hoshi as a character, but you know what? We'll, we'll have ample time to continue talking about her. Sure. So they go over to the ship. Dun, dun, dun. It's a Klingon vessel. They find that out when thinks. It stinks. They read some some letters. Memory like, oh, Alpha that's... points out something interesting. Uh, you got their Prometheus moment where they get over. They're like, oh, well, the sensors say it's okay air. Let's just take our fucking helmets off. <laughs> right. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? I mean, we if you brought I'd be like, listen, if I brought this goddamn helmet over, I'm going to use I'm going to use my own air. Whatever. They crack it open. Everybody's like, ew, P.U. It fucking stinks, including to Paul. If T'Pol smells Klingon B.O. there, then that means that she has stopped using her scent inhibitors, right? Or it's so powerful. Like, I loved her facial expression when she opened up. Like, that she's like, <laughs> Like, it is so strong to her that she, like, recoils. It's not that strong to uh, Hoshi. She's like, Hoshi's like, this fucking stinks. But it, like, it is so bad it makes the reserved Vulcan go, like, Oh boy, this BO was bad. But not bad enough to close that helmet back up. Then you gotta preserve your oxygen where you can. <laughs> they get to the bridge, they assess what's going on. There are some alive crew members, but they really can't do much to help them because they've got maybe 20 minutes before the ship is going to head below the altitude in the atmosphere of this gas giant where the shuttlecraft is going to be able to have its structural integrity intact. And they advise Enterprise and Archer, like, listen, it's Klingons, so strike one, right? These guys are problems. And we really don't know what we can do to help them before they blow up. So they just 
fucking T'Pol wants to cut cut their losses and just like let's get the fuck out of here right like i like her justification too well first of all i like that when hoshi reads the the street plate or whatever mm-hmm. in the hallway and like oh fuck klingon's like they all grab their guns guns yeah get their guns out like oh shit like we just forced our way into a vessel we were not invited onto, and then we found out we don't like the people that are here so now we're going to become actively armed and hostile hmm. um to paul's like listen we need to bounce uh, there's no way that this plays out where it is going to be good for us because uh, right now these guys are set to die at their stations, which is like a ticket into Stovacor. And uh, you are going to do nothing but dishonor them by trying to turn this around. Also, we don't know how to fix this and we're going to endanger ourselves in the process. So this is this is a bad place for us to be. And it's OK to let these guys die. Jumping back to Broken Bow. When they didn't want to return Debo to oh God, it's Klingon homeworld, Kronos, Kronos alive because it was going to make him look weak. And if they bring him back dead, uh, you know, this guy gets a hero's funeral. I like how the Vulcans are always have been consistently wrong about their advice and dealing specifically with the Klingons. They're factually correct. But like they're getting the bad ending. If you if you if you do yeah. if you do the play through the Vulcan way, it's like the bad ending, even though you did everything yeah. right. Yeah, they their basis for the advice that T'Pol is providing is correct. Yet they lack the emotional intelligence to know the better way to get through the playthrough. Right? Like they're not wrong. They're just not the most correct. And I think that 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 nuance is interesting. Like you said, in the plot of the show of this particular episode, because the, the play on enterprise is Archer educating himself about there is a survivor. There is one Klingon that's loose. It is a engineer. I believe they end up saying that she's like, works in the engineering department. Well, they got this really cool looking galley that I call the Skyrim kitchen. You go into yes, any. It looks like a from a fucking fantasy MMO. You go into any Skyrim uh, cave where the barbarians or orcs are eating, and and you will see this set. Um, and we find out that this lady, for some reason, was in a freezer. She gets out of the freezer. They hear her. Reed goes over to like investigate. She yeah, hold on. I just want to point something out. Reed goes alone to investigate. I know Reed is the security officer, but no one backs her backs him up, including the super strong Vulcan first officer. Right? Also, he's sick. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I the the British man with a cold. I'm going to go to investigate to see if one of these super strong Klingons are wandering around, and my first officer of this vessel, who is also of a super strong race, who can you know go pound for pound with these people, is just going to not be backing me up. For no reason. Luckily for Reed, he does not encounter Debo or or yeah. some other massive WWE. He's not get pile drived or bounced off the top turnbuckle. He just he gets he gets beat up a little bit by this lady who then by a very attractive lady in furs, and then yeah. uh, she leaves him freshly ass kicked on the floor, and then Grand Theft Auto's their shuttle and goes and flies off. So. At that point, I'm like, all right, the whole crew seems like they've been poisoned. She was hiding in a freezer and does not seem sick. And she just ran out of there. Like, clearly, 
this is some workplace drama and she has sabotaged her vessel and is now going to blame the whole thing on the Enterprise, which kind of seems like what's going to happen because as soon as that shuttle pod comes flying out, uh, she's got the communications going. We've been attacked. This Enterprise human vessel did it. Send the cavalry. Help. This this lady they they picked out to to play this Klingon, like you said, they like dampened the Klingon makeup on her. You know, still has bad teeth. Still has the bad teeth, but they like well, this, this lady's pretty, so we don't <laughs> we don't want to make her seem too unattractive, right? Like mm-hmm. they seem to really make an effort to make sure that she her her appearance shined through some of the makeup. It was a it was a very specific choice. It was hard not to notice. Anyway, the effect leaves our trio stranded on the Klingon vessel. So a lot of the rest of the drama of the episode is about them dealing with two things. One, problem solving for how do I not die here? And then second, uh, really providing a, a platform for Hoshi's continued character growth uh, by way of T'Pol. The the shuttle gets back towards Enterprise. Enterprise is like, shoot our crappy grapplers at it. Which, how good are these? Like, we can't hit a stationary target in a little crater, but we can hit a moving target flying away from us. I, I wanted to see the visual on that, but no, they, they, they were cheap. I, I like to think that, you know, because it's their own shuttlecraft, there's like some sort of targeting array on it, but whatever. They pulled the fucking thing in and haul her into sick bay and they find out that all of the Klingons on the ship are suffering from some sort of toxin and they're all going to die. And this particular lady was still ambulatory because she was hiding in a fucking freezer. Why? Never explained. The effort Archer goes through is that he has to understand Klingons because he doesn't know anything about them and he has to learn. So he's like, you know, Travis reads the fucking Vulcan database and finds out like the class of the ship and then he's like looking like they reply to honor and strength. I got to find a different way to re- relate to her because like she's not going to she's not going to respond to my normal human. I just want to help you bullshit. Right. So that's really all the drama that happens on the ship. None of it's really super interesting, to be honest. Well, here's what's something super interesting is at no point uh, does Phlox or Archer want to sit there and contemplate the morality of like, Hey, you know, we might be playing God. Should we help these people clearly in need or should we just decide to let nature take its course? And yeah, you know, the maybe nature, this is- the nature of the, uh, the gas giant, obviously can't interfere with that. that, that I'm not, not going to get over this fucking shit from dear doctor. So to enlighten our viewer, typically Peter and I review one episode a week, but that's, you know, the spring summer and we're taking vacation. So we're going like to Mexico, doubling. baby. Cancun, yeah. here I come. I'm going to the far less exotic Gatlinburg, Tennessee. <laughs> I guess to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Niagara Falls of Tennessee. Gatlinburg, Tennessee might be exotic to some of our international viewers. Like you know, like some some Australian might find Gatlinburg, Tennessee absolutely enchanting. But and anyway, we're we're out of town, so we're we're recording this episode just a couple days after we recorded our episode on Dear Doctor. And it has left a scar on my co-host. <laughs> And I get it, though. Like, it's hard to move past what eternal weak shit the conclusion of that episode represents. We dissected it pretty well 
two nights ago, I think. I don't really have too much more to say about it, but it, it does kind of linger in the senses as they confront another issue where, you know, human compassion is a, is a, a, a variable, you know? Well, let's flip for a second here. Everything we just talked about at the beginning of this episode, the, the lack of peaks and valleys. Voyager did a lot of real heinous bullshit. Maybe nothing that was, you know, on the level of the Talaxian. What was that moon bomb called? I was going to call it the Tesseract, but I don't think that's it. <laughs> Whatever it was. The, 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 yeah, the, the, Oppen- ship the space Oppenheimer bomb. Voyager did weak shit all the time to the point where it would start desensitizing us because Enterprise has been so mediocre in these past four, not mediocre. Yeah, I guess mediocre in these past 14 episodes. Like it's all been pretty good, maybe not great, but certainly not awful that the first time we finally see just a baffling bad choice it it sticks out like a sore thumb. And again, there's great ways they could have done. Had Flocks just lied to Archer or something else, great. But Archer, I mean, I sung a song about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you have never over 202 episodes ever been moved to song to express your discontent over what you've seen. That's how deep it affected you. And you sang a cappella. Yeah. Um, but that that I think just lends itself to the fact that Voyager uh, Enterprise isn't hitting the, the, those peaks and valleys. So when we have finally hit like a valley in writing that it's just. It's I mean, I think it was it was it was as egregious as we said it was because, you know, I watched that one with Stevie and Steve. I've never seen her that mad an episode of Star Trek ever where she was cursing at the screen, like literally yelling, fuck you. Are you serious? I was doing the same thing. Man. Yeah. Like, like her exact words were, this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like she was incensed mm. at the decision made. Like this, it didn't make sense to her. And you know, she's, she's hardly at the level of investment that you and I are. So, and, and it, it does affect us because as we watch this episode, this is what you're alluding to, right? Like, how do you have this episode about all of the moral quandaries of helping an entire species asking for assistance that they don't die of a terrible, apparently painful genetic disease that causes all their DNA to like give them little heart kids and, and stuff shit. dying? Yeah, just like right in front of you. Here's but a you- bunch of warriors who have threatened you with physical violence many times. To Paul has laid out airtight reasons why you should not stick around and fuck around in this. Your crew members are actively at danger. And then you'll later find on in the episode that these guys are in this dilemma because they just raped and pillaged their way through some fucking outpost and uh, got sick off of things that they stole out of dead hands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you're going to help these people, but you're not going to help the poor sick children that have like, freaking genetic cancer or whatever like it's it's one of those things that you end up having to put aside because it wrecks everything else so badly around it and boy oh boy if enterprise has a sin it's that dear doctor was actually a good episode until they made that choice yeah right like the whole idea of that episode the way that flox is is conveying information what we find out about him 
and how he's different than humans and, and you know, what Denoblians are and his relationship with Cutler. That's all good content. And then they have the last 15 minutes and you're like, fuck you. Fuck all of this. This is dumb. So uh, attractive Klingon lady with bad teeth flies away. They catch her. There's a battle in the uh, shuttle bay. She kicks some more ass before they finally strap her down to a table. And like you said, they start running tests. They find out, hey, um, looks like you've been poisoned. And again, I'm thinking that she was like the one doing the poisoning since she's a survivor. But no. Yeah, we uh, what were they called? The Serentine. And uh, they took spoils of war and the wine got him sick. You want to hear a fucked up story? Of course. So South Africa carjackings are so bad that uh, there's a bunch of different ways that people combat it. There's like these crazy things where they've got like flamethrowers that shoot up over the driver's side door Mm -hmm. uh, to like scare carjackers away. And I guess a pretty popular thing is to just take bottles of liquor and hit them with cyanide and arsenic and like poison and leave them in there. So when the people who steal the car go in the glove box and find your booze, maybe they'll take a drink and it'll kill them. So (laughs) I mean, it doesn't help you get your car back, but it definitely provides a negative incentive for drinking. Or like the Serentine just getting raided by the Klingons so much. They're just like, fuck it. Don't don't drink that bottle of Jack Daniels up there. That's got cat piss in it. We hope it's going to kill whatever Klingons come over here and rampage us. Uh, Meanwhile, back over on the we will find out this is a Raptor class scout vessel. Um, Forget about the helmets. We're taking the whole suits off. It's time for booby cat suits part two. Yeah, I mean, they're a little bit more modest because there's like, I don't know, armor, armor shoulders or whatever, (laughs) but they're form fitting. And really, uh, it's as, you know, Hoshi, it's her time to shine. She's got to interpret everything that she's reading. They they do a good job of spending time explaining the difference between, like, language is different than reading it. But she's managing to get through kind of interpreting what happened. And they are trying to fix the ship or do something so they can help themselves, right? Like, Enterprise comes up with a plan A, which is we'll just reinforce it. We're going to bring Enterprise down. That doesn't work. It, it you can't stand the stresses. They're like, well, then maybe we can reinforce a shuttle using some, you know, outside braces to like improve the, the integrity of the, of the shuttlecraft to bring it down based on the information they get about. Here's, the, the, the here's what's interesting. They don't solve this conundrum by just building a completely brand new shuttlecraft. No, 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 no <laughs> alpha flyer. <laughs> and, uh, so they got to try and problem solve here on this ship and you know, the engine's out. They don't know if they can fix it and you know, they're going through all of that. And really the only notable thing that happens on the ship after the Klingon wakes up is Hoshi and Paul have a scene in the Skyrim kitchen after Hoshi gets like spooked by a targ and is like, this is disgusting. They've got skulls and shit. I feel like I'm in a goddamn you know, a medieval butcher shop in the middle of the spaceship this is ridiculous. And she's I'm kind of freaking like, out. I need to relax. And then to Paul's like, here, let me give you a hand job real quick. It's, you know, like to Paul, like Hoshi bridges the gap with to Paul to say, 
I wish I was like you right now because I've been trying not to be overwhelmed. I'm trying to be a better officer, right? Like that's her thing. That's why I was doing target practice with fucking Reed at the beginning. That's why I volunteered to go on this ship. I'm trying not to be the person who freaked out when we went to space spider Island before yet. Here I am once again, freaking out sucks. I hate this. I wish I could be like you and not freak out. And then honesty reaches to Paul enough that she comes to Hoshi and is like, all right, give me your hand. And then does some Vulcan fucking voodoo with her where she helps her calm down so that she can focus and help get them all out of the situation. It's a neat moment. A, Hoshi is growing. Cool to see that, particularly in season one of the show. And then B, at Topol is growing. I'm going to bridge the gap with between you. I've been kind of cold to you, but I recognize you are trying to improve. So I'm going to help you, right? I'm going to do this with you because A, it's going to help us get out of the situation. And B, it's because you're trying to make the effort to be a better officer. And this will help you contain this part of yourself that you're having difficult containing. Great scene. Loved it. Don't really have any complaints about it. It's probably really the reason why the the plot was oriented the way it was, was to do that scene, you know? Certainly worth Reed having a cold. <laughs> yes. That was the justification. He had to find water for Reed because he's dehydrated. No, nope, right? we couldn't find any water, just uh, gawk and targ blood. So drink up. You can guess which one this is. It looks like worms. It is. <laughs> good, good line. Good line. I liked it. I laughed. So they got this dilemma. Uh, Archer over on the ships telling this Klingon lady her name's Officer Buka. Uh, Buka to Beppo. <laughs> Officer Boobies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, you know, you, you got to help us. She's like, no, you did this to us. And he's like, no, obviously you guys fucking did it. You let your crew die over there. It's going to be an honorless death for them. You know, we can we can fix this. So he gets them on their side. Uh, they are having a hell of a time trying to get this uh, Raptor class scout vessel um, fixed. And they've gotten desperate enough where they're just shooting off photon torpedoes, which is the fancy new technology piece to be discovered this episode. Yeah, um, I liked that. It was like Reed's like, what the fuck is that? Photon <laughs> torpedoes. I want those. Yeah, it seems he seemed pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> so they start shooting him under the ship and then blowing him up. So the explosion can like flappy bird. And it's not going well. Like each explosion's giving him like 200 meters up. Finally, Hoshi's like, fuck it, go bigger go home. Let's blow all of these up. And then uh, they're both like, hey, you know, I kind of liked you more when you were being a scaredy pants and not talking about blowing up all of the TNT underneath us and like maybe killing all of us. And it's about that time that Archer flies in with the Klingon engineer and is like, hey, we're going to get this thing fixed up in, in the reinforced shuttle. So like trip has his part in helping solve this problem, which is neat. That reinforced shuttle looks cool too. They got, you know, yeah. uh, these deuterium braces, braces, yeah. like pushing this thing apart. Some real archaic looking shit in there. Yeah. They like made a point of doing the effect, like how trip de- described it would be. It's like, it'll look ugly, but you know, we can probably make it so it survives. Cool. Good, good detention to detail. I will say that Enterprise might be a B minus overall, but it gets an it gets an A in its attention to detail of shit like that. Like it seems to really like know how to make sure it's not missing. 
So they save the day. Also, again, this is another situation where Archer has no communication with uh, Forrest, or so he thinks, because they save the day, they get off, they get back on Enterprise, everything seems like it's cool. Also, there's two warbirds coming in at high warp. So they're like, we need to get the fuck out of here. They're thinking that, you know, they're going to be cool and be like, hey, call them off. You know, everything's friendly. Instead, the Klingons from the scout ship call. It is Admiral Forrest and Klingon makeup now. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, "Uh, surrender. You just violated our ship and 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 made me mad. So we're going to be not cool. And uh, Archer's like, well, you know, I've been reading about your culture and I know that I need to flex nuts to get some respect. So um, you guys are all fucked up. Your ship sucks. I blew up all your torpedoes. And uh, why don't you shut the fuck up before I come over there and slap you and really put some dishonor on your ass? (laughs) I really liked that. Essentially, Archer's story arc was I have to be fucking shitty to these people. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing they respect. And he's absolutely correct. Like. I will destroy you despite all of the efforts I just went in to save you if you really want to fucking start this. It, it goes, it's right back to the space trucker moment where he like looks into the camera and says, try me. You know, like, I'm, I'm my patience with this bullshit is starting to run thin already, and I've only been out in space five months. I will blow you up. Yeah. Unfortunately, these Klingons don't have the option of bringing him into the cargo hold and uh, shooting him in the head. Uh, none of this stuff matters. Uh, and it, it's all just a blur because the real ending of this episode is <laughs> yes! the triumphant return of, you know, we're talking before about to Paul having to use stupid human tools. She gets her own tricorder. She has to use her spacesuits. She gets to use her own underwear because we go back to this goddamn decontamination room. Okay, Listen. This is the most fascinating choice in this episode to me from a production standpoint. There is no reason for this. There has been no discussion in this episode about pathogens. There is no plot discussion or dialogue talking about the decontamination room as something particularly pleasant. And more importantly, it's not even all four of the people. Remember, because it was four people eventually on the on the Klingon vessel because Archer went with the Klingon officer down there. It's just the original three that are in there. So like whatever Archer, Archer would have been exposed to whatever else anyone would have been. In fact, more so because he didn't have a space suit. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just Hoshi to Paul and Reed. And yet somehow it's less offensive than the broken bow version. Oh, it is because they're not rubbing like liquid on each, other, right? on each other. Yeah. It's, it's once again, an example of the NX-01 being the most fit ship in Starfleet, right? Because. And here I thought the, the skin tight body suits, like I saw a read in that body suit. I'm like, that dude must be eating celery and sit-ups for each meal. You have, and <laughs> you see him with his shirt off and you're like, ho. Oh. Yeah, like all of them. And, all and again, them. like Hoshi and Reed have like these navy blue Starfleet yeah. underwear. But then uh, to Paul, she, she's wearing these little booty gym shorts and like this midriff top that her boobs are basically falling on. She looks like 
when Angel from Weird Science comes walking out with the gym teacher outfit on. Like that's that's how scandalous yeah. this shit is. And it's like, is is this just what all the Vulcan women wear? Like, uh, so like like you said, Reed is in like his boxers and God fucking to be that fit, right? This dude is absolutely just perfect looking. Hoshi is, you know, in her the female equivalent, right? Right, got just like a normal, normal like sports bra top and normal bottoms. She's just chilling, and then because it's Paul, they have her get up slowly on camera, walk around the back, answer the call from Flocks. Do you guys want out yet? No, we're treating it like a sauna. Comes back around and sits. Like they purposely have her move around because she's got bit old titties, right? And they're on display. Mm. And they're all just talking about how they're happy to be clean and they're not smelling anything. But there was like barely any dialogue in the episode about that. Let me fix this scene real quick. Okay. Jump back to Reed bitching about his cold flock saying the only way to on on this, the only thing Federation Earth technology would be a trip to the decontamination room, which is an abusive technology and that flocks won't sign off on it. And now, because of the way team, whatever, um, he's finagled them all into having to go. And it's Reed saying, please, I, th- I can almost feel this cold completely out of me. Lie and let us stay in here a little bit longer. Perfect. That solves it. That gives you the justification. I know why the scene is here. The scene is here so that you can get Hoshi and Paul in their underwear on screen at the end for the horny nerds. That's actually the reason this why. This scene is here. This. So there's headcanon that these guys are having a three way. You know, they're all they're all semi naked together and they just wanted to do that, right? Speaking of which, Reed to- does say that uh he he was in a spa in Mexico. That's gonna be me, Joe. I'm That's not true. gonna have a six pack, I'm gonna be a big fat slob in a Mexican spa. <laughs> I, that will be my connection to Star Trek Enterprise while I'm on vacation. But yeah, that little that little change would would make the scene actually make sense. Instead, it is there for entirely for fan service. There is barely a connection to anything that happened in the episode, and it is bizarre, but also entirely the most predictable part of what happens. Because this show is so horny on Maine, it's so desperate to show off that all these people are beautiful. Like, they can't help themselves. Everyone has been shirtless. I didn't even think about Archer's lack of being in here. Like, this, it is completely... Yeah. Uh, bonkers to to put this thing in there. Yeah, this is because we want to not bore all of the horny nerds. So we're going to have the the shirtless dude and the two hot ladies in their underwear. Like, that's it. They should have thrown the Klingon lady in there, too. Get rid of Reed. Yeah, yeah, she was the fourth. Whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. (laughs) Yeah, it was... Boy. Oh boy! All right, it, 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 I will say this: Enterprise, even just halfway through its first season, which is essentially where we're at, um, is it makes me wonder, like, if it's stealing the crown from season four of Voyager, you know, of like just the constant butt shots of Jerry Ryan, like that was more subtle than the shit they're doing so far here, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, they got to get uh, access to those space pipes if they really want to compete. All right. We are going into season one, episode 15. Here we go. This is what I want. (laughs) Yeah. 
Shadows of Pajem. There's that fucking shot of uh, San Francisco Starfleet headquarters. Archer and the crew are disappointed to discover that T'Pol has been ordered by the Vulcan High Command to leave Enterprise and equally frustrated at her seeming indifference to leaving their ranks. T'Pol's last mission as a Starfleet officer, however, proves eventful when she and Archer are kidnapped by a militant faction on an alien planet and subsequent trip to the decontamination room. Love that decon room. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you've already kind of like started watching this one. So, you know, that uh, I'm hyped. Yeah. I'm Enterprise's hyped. biggest strength is its continuity. So yeah. they are leaning in. Cool. Well, if you're not going to Mexico or Gatlinburg, Tennessee, <laughs> there is a wide variety of Egypt Please episodes from from the recent and distant past that you can avail yourself of. Please do so. Any place podcasts are found, we are available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and really any aggregator that you subscribe to, as well as we have a YouTube channel, which is our basically our, our backup location. Uh, for all of our episodes it's not particularly well used but it is also where you will find the video versions of all of our live streams as well as my playthrough of elite force that was basically the capper to all of our voyager content which by the way was a lot of fun so check all of that out and of course you can always reach us at vgplease at gmail.com vgplease at twitter or vgplease on facebook join our trauma support group which a couple people have recently welcome and uh, our discord hit me up i'll happily give you a link And until next time, see ya.